readings from Yero United Mennonite Church in Yero, B.C. This morning, we're going to hear the gospel from Psalm 139. We're going to be invitation, we're going to receive an invitation from the good news, from Christ, about the intimacy of God, knowing us, knowing you, seeing you fully. And then you're going to receive an invitation to take on Psalm 139 as a practice of prayer to transform you and to deeply embed in you the truth of God's presence, the good news of God's sovereignty. I invite you to pray with me first, and then we'll dive into Psalm 139 and the gospel this morning. Lord Jesus, as we read Psalm 139, a prayer that you would have prayed throughout your life that may have given you deep confidence and deep transformation as you know the Father and know this truth and reality about the Father, how he knows you and sees you. We pray that that prayer would become part of the depths of who we are, that we would know and trust you, that you are this intimate, close to us and you are good that you would lead us we offer this time and this prayer up to you and we ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would speak your gospel and good news in Jesus name we pray amen I invite you to pray with me this morning Psalm 139 from the NIV You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths of Sheol, the place of death, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light will become like night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them even came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. If I were to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And when I awake... I'm still with you, overwhelmed by the number of your thoughts about me. 
If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries, they misuse your name. But I, but I, I, I do... Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them as my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way that is everlasting. Psalm 139. God's presence is the centering theme of this psalm. The confession from the psalmist and the confession from the the gospel in this text is that God is present and he knows. He knows the psalmist and he knows you. How does God know you? How much does God know you? And how do you become convinced or experience God's knowledge of you so that you can settle in and rest and have peace? Well, this psalm is something that we practice and we read and we pray. We move from reading it to praying it so that it becomes our words and not words in a text. And then as we read it and we pray it, we experience God's presence with us, reading it beside us. And we experience God's spirit testifying in us. Yes, this is true. I need to know these words. I need to bury them deep in me so that I don't ever lose them because they're true and I trust and I confess this. Praying this prayer is embodying this prayer. It is practicing a posture of prayer in God's presence when we pray this prayer. I hear the psalmist talking about God's intimate presence that can never leave and it reminds me of time when I was scuba diving. You see, when we take a deep breath and we breathe it out, the air that we breathe in contains oxygen. And oxygen is energy. The breath comes into our mouth and down into our lungs and fills up our lungs, and then our lungs absorb the oxygen in the breath. And the breath gets into our, the oxygen gets into our heart and our heart takes that oxygen and puts it into our blood. And then that blood gets transported by highways and byways all through every part of our bodies. And as it's transported, the oxygen gets brought to every single cellular level. It goes from thicker veins into blood vessels and into capillaries and into the very ends of my fingertips. When you squeeze your finger, do it right now, squeeze it hard. And then let go of it and look at your fingernail. It's white because the blood has been squeezed out. And then it turns red. And as it turns red, that is blood from your body filling every part of you. And every part of you, if it were not getting oxygen every minute, would start to turn black and blue. It would start to get sore and it would start to pass away and die. Because you need oxygen in every cell of your body for those cells to live and for you to live. 
Oxygen must be ever-present in your body in order for you to survive. The intimacy and fullness of every part of you needs oxygen to survive. And so this reminds me of a time when my wife Christina and I, before we had kids, were in the southern Philippines. We were scuba diving. And I remember putting on the tank and putting on the gear and going deep down and going 60 feet down underwater and realizing, wow, that's a long way up before I can get oxygen again when I'm completely surrounded, enveloped in water. And the only oxygen I have is in this breathing tube and in this tank on my back. And I remember feeling vulnerable because I need breath to survive. And what if this just breaks? What would I do? Where would I go? How would I get up? I could swim up, but I was 60 feet. Eventually, we were 80 feet underwater. And I felt in my depths nervous because I need air in every part of me in order to survive. And I think this need for air is characteristic. It's a, it's a feeling that you can feel and that I can feel that is really our need for God. It's, it's the crisis and the longing deep inside of us when we know God's salvation and God's saving presence. And then we worry about missing it. The psalmist here is praying this prayer because the psalmist is likely anxious as well. Maybe the psalmist feels like a stranger to God. And they, they know they need to pray this prayer. They know they need to confess these things in order to remember that God is not a stranger to them. Saying, God, you don't know what I've done is the internal story. This psalm was written to transform a fearful and worried people because this isn't just a psalm from one person, but this is a psalm that was practiced by a nation of worshipers confessing over and over so that when they're out in the farm field or when they're out in the battlefield defending and and wondering, Lord, how will we be sustained in this season of our life, they would remember God's sovereignty. They would become convinced and reminded of God's presence. But they were afraid for individual reasons and for reasons as a nation. They had become afraid. And even so, when they weren't afraid that God wasn't truly present, as this psalm confesses, they were surrounded by enemies. Maybe enemies from other places or maybe enemies from within Israel. Enemies who lied about God and said, maybe God isn't really there. Enemies who the psalmist says, lie about you. And maybe the psalmist is tempted himself to believe those lies. Instead, the psalmist's reaction is, well, no, but Lord, they don't know you. Here at the end of the psalm, if only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. Lord, they speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. They're lying about you. They're misusing your name. They don't know you. They can't hear this, Lord. We don't want to hear this because it's not true. Inside, I feel the tension of myself lying about you, doubting you, worrying about if your presence is really here. And now I'm surrounded by people who are saying the same thing. Lord, cast them away. 
I have nothing but hatred for them, God, and I count them as my enemies. Search me, God, and know my, my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. This is the posture of the psalmist that needs to be rescued from these voices. You see, the psalms, when we learn to pray them, are full of honest emotion. And so the gift of the psalm in the midst of the confession of hatred for the enemy is that whether you want to or not, sometimes you may feel hatred for an enemy. Whether you want to or not, sometimes you have anxious thoughts. And whether you want to or not, you cry out, Lord, lead me out of these feelings. Because you can't control your feelings. You can control your action. You can confess beyond what you feel. But you and your feelings can't necessarily be controlled. Maybe you feel like the psalmist, hidden or afraid. Anxious. Maybe you feel that you're not fully known by God. Or maybe you feel that you are fully known by God, but you're scared because you don't know if God is trustworthy. This is a reasonable feeling, but it's still fearful. It's still not the freedom and good news that we have seen and experienced in Christ. You see, maybe the good news of this psalm that you could experience if you trusted God is actually bad news because you don't trust God and you don't know him like this. Maybe God does know you and you think that, but because you don't know if you can trust God, it's not actually good news to you. You see, someone who knows you as intimately as this psalm says, but who you can't trust, that makes the psalm and the truth of it even that more dangerous. Because what if God's not trustworthy? What if God is using your sin against you to judge you, to punish you, to see into you and make you afraid. You see, maybe that's what the psalmist, and maybe that's where you're at today, is that you hear this, but you don't know if it's good news. Maybe you're afraid of being known, of what you've done being known. Maybe you're afraid that you don't know if you're embraced and received enough. Are you worthy to be liked? We're in a time and surrounded by a place where the major question of our time for the younger generations who are involved with the internet and social media, the major question is, is social media even mentally healthy? When the entire premise is comparing you to the other people around you. Unconsciously, indirectly, but you sign on to Instagram or somewhere else and the entire premise is comparing yourself or how you project yourself to others. But it's a projection. It's not even the real you. And our fear of judgment of that version of ourself is a controlling emotion for us. And instead, the psalmist calls us into this to pray and to confess, but Lord, you do know me. And the invitation from Christ and the Spirit in this is, see who I am and know that I am trustworthy. The truth of the psalm 
is that if the psalm was true of someone untrustworthy, if someone untrustworthy knew us this much, it could be used as a weapon against us. And maybe you are afraid as the psalmist might have been afraid. Or maybe in your fear even, it's turned into action and it's turned into this version of self-deceit where the psalmist says, surely the darkness will hide me. So much so in your fear of the intimacy of God knowing you or in your doubt of whether you're worried that you're not worthy to be known. You instead pray as in verse 11, Surely the darkness will hide me, and the night, the light will become night around me. And you've tried to flee from God, from yourself, from the reach of a Savior. If that's you, there's gospel this morning. There's good news of great joy for all peoples, as the angels said. As Jesus started his ministry in Mark chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, look, the kingdom of God is at hand. Change your life and your way and come and follow me. There is gospel this morning in this text. The good news is God created you before you had any intentions or even the capacity to worry or fear. God completely knows the psalmist and God completely fills the psalmist. When we breathe in that air and it fills our nose and our throat and our lungs and it brings the oxygen through our heart to every part of our being, when you squeeze your thumb and you see the white thumbnail turn red, That is the filling of God's presence in you like oxygen in every part and every cell of your body. And God is good and God is trustworthy. The psalm was given to a people. The psalm was given to a nation and the psalm was given to individuals who would turn to God to pray, to speak, and to become part of them in memory, to transform them into a people who practice God's endless and intimate presence. People who are transformed and filled with trust in God's presence that never leaves. So that these people could become fruitful. So that those who pray the Psalms throughout thousands and thousands of years of history could become witnesses that they are like trees in God's garden. And God is the gardener, nurturing them, caring for them, pruning them, giving them nutrients at the soil and water. And that because of God's care for these people who are trees, they would bear fruit because that's what fruit trees who are cared for do. Bear good fruit. Not by the effort of the psalmist, not by the effort of those people who are prayed for and who are praying, but instead they were bearing fruit because God's spirit and God's presence is nurturing them to become healthy trees who bear good fruit. The psalm is not for information. It's for intimacy. It's to remind you 
that God is in you and fills you. One picture in the psalm that is one of those beautiful pictures that just recently became public knowledge. If you've seen the videos Planet Earth that have been coming out for years from British Broadcasting, uh, David Attenborough has this epic voice as we see animals and, and, and places around the earth revealed by video cameras um, and all, in all kinds of amazing ways. Most recently, I believe it was a year ago, Planet Earth released another film series of, of six or eight videos. And for this series, they came out with specific cameras. They invented new cameras for this series. The series was about light and color. And what they found was they had to create a new camera with a new kind of sensor in it so they could see new spectrums of light that human eyes have never seen before. And so they saw colors in animals and in plants. They saw, they saw light in dark places because they could see that light spectrums exist that human eyes can't see. And so some animals, like cats, can see in the darkness, not because their eyes are just so good, but because their eyes are actually designed in a different way so that they can see at nighttime through different lenses. And there are different spectrums of light that human eyes can't see, but that actually exist that other animals can see. And there's different kinds of colors that human eyes can't see because they're not created to see them that way, but other creatures can see. Now that's the picture. If we take and we look at Psalm 139, verses 9 to 12, that we think and we see and we imagine when we hear God can see us even in the darkness. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. If we're running to the other side of the earth or the depths of under the earth. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light will become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. And now imagine... Darkness is as light to you. And now imagine we can actually see this in our own experience through these camera lenses that when darkness seems like darkness to us, it actually can be light to God in a scientific, experienceable, physical, tangible way. It's darkness to us. We can't see the light. But to God, there is no darkness. If he sees through the lens of every created being and beyond, there literally is no darkness. When we go to bed at night and we close our eyes, we turn off all the lights in the room, it's darkness to us. But there are physical waves of light shining in that room that you can't see because your eyes weren't designed to see, but that God can see and that darkness is as light to him. That's gospel good news. That's a picture to see. You cannot be hidden from God. You can't go anywhere from his presence the way air fills your being. You can't go hide in any darkness because there is no darkness to God. The psalmist goes through these prayers and gets to the moment where he says, God created the depths of my being 
God nurtured me in the most vulnerable places. And I know that full well. What a confession. I know this to be true full well. How does this apply to you? How does this apply to me? God is active in the world. God is active and God is moving. God knows you and God fills you completely. He is wholly nurturing you in every part and he is nurturing you to be holy and bear fruit. God's character is being formed in you and formed in us. Formed in you to be trustworthy and to be safe with the knowledge that you are known. And when you are known and you can take a breath and you can let go protecting yourself, you become someone who's safe to know because you've been received and relaxed and trusted. Now you can be someone who sees others and can relax and trust. The natural response to this kind of good news that you are known this well is to give confession and allegiance to God. To become people who are still and who know. To become a person who is still and who knows that God is present and God is good and God is trustworthy. This is a psalm you can pray. And in your experience of this psalm, in your experience of the intimacy of God's presence, you can testify, you can preach, you can say there is good news I love God and I follow Christ because I am known by God and I have nothing to be afraid of. This is gospel. This is something that you tell to your children. You tell to your parents. You tell to your neighbors. You say, come and see. Meet the God who knows me. Or as the woman at the well said, come and see the one who knows everything I've ever done. And so the breath of God that fills us and knows us, the same breath that created Adam and Eve in the garden at the beginning of Genesis, God took them and formed mankind out of the dirt of the world and breathed breath into them. The same breath that Jesus breathes on his disciples in John chapter 20, right after he's resurrected and he's up in this room and he announces, my peace I give to you, and then he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. The same breath and air and oxygen that when the, 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 the leader Nicodemus comes to Jesus at midnight, hiding that he wanted to meet with Jesus and he had real questions for him. The same breath that Jesus says to him, listen and look and see the Spirit moving like the wind. The wind fills all things. God's Spirit fills all things. Hear God speaking to you. And hear the invitation that because God is trustworthy, because God looks like Christ, who is moving and alive, who has transformed all darkness and death into light and healing, Jesus Christ, the salvation of God, Hear the call and the invitation of the psalmist to confess. Search me and know me, O God. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. 
lead me. This is our proper response. Submission to God, allegiance to Christ, our Lord and Savior. Belief and following. The troubling part in the end of this psalm, the calling to hatred of an enemy, hating those who hate you. I believe we're even called out of that in Christ. I believe when we pray that in this psalm, we're praying our fear and our anxiety out, calling God to action, not hatred and action ourselves. And I believe that Jesus on the cross even saves us from this kind of hatred. You see, Jesus shows us our enemies, and he shows us that our enemies are not deserved of our hatred. Instead, we're called to pray for those enemies that we have. This is what Jesus teaches us in the Sermon on the Mount. And so when we know God is this intimate and loving and kind and embracing of us, we can see that our enemies are those we're supposed to announce this good news to as well. And we can do that out of our security. Eternally, through the love of the cross, the cross that Christ was on when he saved and forgave his enemies, means that our enemies were defeated by the power of God on the cross. The only power that is powerful enough to turn an enemy into a friend. Jesus' life and Jesus' example of self-sacrificial servant love that physically embodies love is the only power that is physically embodied on earth. The power of God that raised Jesus from the dead. The power of God that holds the entire universe together. When you and I submit to Christ, knowing this kind of intimacy fills us, we then embody the power of the Spirit to forgive and love enemies in this way. It's God. It's what God is doing. It's what we're called into when we live into the truth of this. And so I announce one more time the second half of the psalm, and I invite you to pray one Psalm 139 this summer over and over. For you created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them ever came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. I pray that you know the intimacy of Christ that truly knows you and that your anxious thoughts are washed away by the presence of God 
that fills you and your lungs and your every part of your being for every moment of every day. Amen. God bless you.